growing perhaps even faster than China. So basically, a lot of the economy and the growth will be coming from that side. And if you're not understanding that culture, there's a high likelihood that you'll be doing business with that side directly or indirectly, whether like it or not. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Today's We Are LA Tech episode shout out goes to Chris Miles. Chris Miles, thank you for being such a longtime member of the We Are LA Tech community and just championing everything that we do. Really appreciate you. Be sure to say hello to Chris on Twitter at MilesNextDoor. That's M-I-L-E-S-N-E-X-T-D-O-O-R. MilesNextDoor. Let Chris know you found him via We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. So I'm driving to yoga right now, which is much needed. I had this, honestly, it was this crazy day because my day started in the We Are LA Tech office and um, with the newly redesigned office and we had our first podcast interview and it was just so exciting to have our first podcast interview um, in the newly designed office. It's an office that I've actually had since I built an action sports company. I, I built the first social network for action sports and I have a huge history in action sports and I moved back into this office and it was just great. And like in the beginning, it didn't feel like me because the guy who had it in between redesigned it to his preference. And so finally, when I got it done to my personality, I seriously, it was like a little zen oasis and then having the podcast interview. Then midday, I took a walk on the beach with a friend that I had actually made through the We Are LA Tech Experience Club and she was wearing the We Are LA Tech shirt. And it was this incredible day. I get into my car in the beach parking lot and I see a message from my office property manager that says it's urgent to please, and then he calls like a text message and then he calls and he lets me know that he's letting go of the building. And like my heart dropped. I just got back from England meeting with my mentor. I'm like amped on We Are LA Tech. I'm all amped on the new studio. I'm amped at the processes I'm creating and also all the history I have in this space. Now, it doesn't mean the space is gone. Like, I'm kind of in a state of limbo where I don't know. I just know he's giving it up, and I don't know who's, like, taking it over or how that's going to work. And if I'm going to be able to, like, keep my space, I maybe I can. Maybe it won't work out. I have no idea. But, but then I got back 
to do the next interview that I had scheduled at 6 p.m. And it was hard. It was hard to not know if this space that I worked hard for, that I love, that I feel so perfect, that I want to build in, would would still be mine a month from now, you know? Um, on the way to the interview, though, like right when I got the news, when I got off the phone with, with my property manager, I immediately called one of my best friends and I said, listen, Nicole, I need you to be abundant and positive. I want to believe that this is happening for a reason that is so magnificent that I just don't know about right now. That something is in the works for me. Whatever it is that is great. Like who knows what it could possibly be. But I want to stay in an abundant mindset. Because it's not going to serve me to be negative. And it's not going to serve me to feel like deflated or focusing on loss. And of course I feel sad and there's this chip inside my heart and nervousness. But you know, I don't know until I know. And right now it's just kind of like a sit, wait and see. And I just got to sit, wait, and see to the best of my ability. So Nicole kept me positive-minded, and then I I gave it my all for the podcast interview. And now I'm driving to a yin yoga and massage class at Laughing Frog on Santa Monica Boulevard. And then I'm going to upload episodes for our amazing editor listening to my voice right now. And I'm just going to carry forward. Like a space can't define the purpose that I'm building. And I think that's kind of like what my Buddhist friends would say or my friends that, that, you know, follow Buddhism. But I think it's about understanding that we can't be defined by material possessions and and spaces. Um, It's who we are on the inside that defines our outside. So I'm doing the best I can. And that is where I'm at today. And so I hope my vulnerability in sharing with you somehow, you know, helps you along in your journey and that you'll continue to be a part of my journey as I go through the ebbs and flows of running, building, and staying committed to We Are LA Tech. And I just really appreciate you for being a podcast listener and just being a part of all of this together. All of it is a part of our story. All right. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast, celebrating LA Tech companies and talent. So excited to be spotlighting our next guest. Hello, George. Hi, Esprit. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So, George, you have a huge background in tech and then you got into podcasting. So let's start at the beginning. Are you from L.A.? Yes, I'm from LA. Born and raised. Where? What area of LA? So I moved around a lot. So I was born in Orange County, and immediately I was born, I moved to LA County. Yeah. And then I lived across, say, like San Gabriel, Rolling Heights, Monterey Park, more of the East Side, yeah. more of the Asian side. The good food side. The good Asian food side. Yeah. yeah good Asian <laughs> cheap food side. Yeah. <laughs> After I moved out west, things got more expensive for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. I know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay. So when did you get involved in tech? Where did that journey start? Yeah. I actually started in college. So when I was younger, I don't know what I want to major in. Yeah. 
And then, but things I always been pretty good at the techie stuff. Right. So I applied to every tech or every college that's good in tech. Right. So I went to Berkeley and yeah. majored electrical engineering, computer sciences. Yeah. So after I got out, I started working in tech at an aerospace company and then moved on to the other startups after that. In San Francisco? No, in uh, Los Angeles. But you went to Berkeley in San Francisco. I did. Yeah. So there's not another Berkeley that I don't know about, right? Okay. Yeah. So you went to Berkeley in San Francisco and then you actually left San Francisco, came back to LA to be in tech? That's unusual. Yeah. It's really weird. So around that time, uh, it was around the, the financial crash. Actually, a lot of companies weren't hiring. Yeah. And a lot of my smart friends actually couldn't find jobs at yeah. all. Yeah. So what happened then is the offer I got was in Los Angeles. Yeah. At the time, that was the best offer I have. So that for at that time just makes sense. Even at um, so for example, now it's so popular. People yeah. are getting huge salaries. Yeah. When I was during that my time, they were paying master students and, and undergrad students the same rate because of how bad the job market was. Oh. Yeah. So because of that, my offer down here yeah. was significantly better. And when I say total amount but yeah. if you factor living costs and everything else yeah. it was like almost double what i'd be making in the northern california so i thought hey i should just yeah. come back here in la and so it was not that that's how it happened and you never had the desire to move back to san francisco when things got better there i did so the funny thing okay. is three years ago i <laughs> yeah. started uh doing recruiting again and then so when i was looking at la and san francisco yeah the same thing happened i the offer i got in la was just after factoring the living costs, yeah. it was just better. The living <laughs> costs in San Francisco are exorbitant. Like yes. they're insane. Yes. Like, can you give us, a, some people may not know, give us an example of some of the living costs in a... Like a really, really old, old, old apartment. Like yeah. super old. We can hear people above, below you. Yeah. It can cost you about $2,500 just for a studio. For a studio. For a studio. That's crazy. And then I know my friends who live in like, say, downtown San Francisco. Yeah. She was paying like four thousand, five thousand a month. Wow. Um, so it's five thousand a month? Yeah. But for a studio? She has one bedroom. That's insane. But it's a nice one bedroom. Yeah. So like high rise, that yeah, kind yeah, of deal. Yeah. So so a couple of my friends, they live there where one's a doctor, yeah. one is a software engineer. Yeah. And they were having a hard time finding a place. Uh, based on their dual income. They said they can't afford to buy a place on their, on their income. But then you save a, a couple... A doctor <laughs> and a software. That's insane. Yeah. And so. okay, so in tech, when you found that job in LA, what was that first job in LA? Yeah, it was with a company called Northrop Grumman. It's in the aerospace industry mm -hmm. where I was working on the software um, systems for spacecraft. Right. And I was working with NASA on that project. It was really, really cool. Yeah. So you, I don't think... That is really cool. So I don't think you can do that anywhere else. But it's not, it's not tech tech, you can say that. Yeah. It's a bit aerospace, but for the most part. But aerospace is tech. Yeah. I think the tech world considers aerospace tech. Yeah. So that so it, what's interesting about that project is that it's a very small team. There's only about one, like less than seven software engineers on that team that, yeah. that build that entire system. Yeah. And that one is really cool is because it's actually the first uh, Transformer, the movie in yeah. the world. Yeah. Because it was so big it yeah. cannot fit into a rocket right so literally had to fold it up put it into a rocket yeah and then the software and the hardware will collaborate so that when it's out in space it will automatically assemble itself to the right configuration what yeah so it was one of the i would say it's one thing it's a chia pet rocket yeah, yeah you can say that <laughs> if you want to transformer yes transformers more like it and then how do you transform into your next role 
Yeah, so while I was doing that, I realized that it's not the best role for me uh, in yeah. terms of I like to work with more people. Mm-hmm. And then that um, being a software engineer, you're just basically sitting behind the cubicle for the most part. Right. A lot of it's individual. So um, that wasn't the best fit. And then so I figured, where should I go next? So I definitely went to get my MBA, did some other roles, and eventually landing in product management. And nice. so that basically has been more of my current endeavors. And where did you get your MBA? University of Michigan. And wait, so you mo- you took it, did it remotely or you moved to Michigan? I moved to Michigan. For how long? Two, two years? Two years. Dude, okay. Why did you decide moving to Michigan was the best thing for your career? And was it worth it? So moving to Michigan, to be honest, I had no idea what I was thinking. No, <laughs> looking back now. Uh, it's too cold. I thought yeah. cold meant like 30 degrees. No, it was like negative 40. Yikes. Um, so the moment, I, hour after I finished the degree, I immediately came back to California. I'd say only you California. Exactly. I was just in England and it was raining the, for their summer and it was raining the whole time. I'm like, this is not summer. And then I am so excited that we're experiencing this weird heat wave in LA because I'm like, yes, summer had yeah. an extension and I get yeah. an LA summer. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And then Michigan, so was the MBA worth it? For the most part, I would say yes and no. So depending on who you talk to. Yeah. Uh, for me, it helped me figure out what I want because it allows me to explore different avenues. Right. I, I literally explore so many different career options that most of the time you will not have the opportunity to do so. Right. Uh, so that really helped me. Uh, but the thing is, if I were to go back and do it over again, I probably will try to do that before I get into the program. I mean, mm. spending like almost 200K to figure yourself out is not the best, smartest no. decision. <laughs> it's what most Americans do to go to college. Yeah. So, and then after getting your MBA, then where'd you go? So I went to a company called Spokio. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you know about Spokio? I, I did know about Spokio. Tell us about Spokio. Yeah. So Spokio is a company that actually do not background search, like HR search, but they collect all the public information and right. put that into easy to reformat. Yeah. And that basically showcase, uh, you can basically look at like where they're from, where their address is, and yeah. what their, uh, all these siblings, like so many details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it was really helpful for me personally when I was uh, using that service yeah. myself personally for like dating purposes. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you use Spokio for dating? Because... They also have criminal records in this as well. Oh my gosh. So you, so you would know. find someone on Tinder and then plug them into Spokio. You can do that if you want to. You can do that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, and why did you leave your aerospace opportunity? Yeah. So, one opportunities I want to go into is called product management. Yeah. So, aerospace is it's hard to have that role. Right. That role is actually split between three different functions uh, business development, program management. And system engineering. Right. And the reason it's split up between those three functions is all the big projects and yeah. products yeah. are like millions to billions of dollars. Right. And in product management, a lot of those tech product managers, they can manage product that generate maybe a couple hundred thousand, a million. Yeah. Just revenue, right? Yeah. But we're talking about just the cost of the project right. to implement is millions to billions. Why right. would they give that one person the whole responsibility for that right right so this doesn't make sense right so that role doesn't really exist there maybe in the future it will but for the most part right now it doesn't really exist and and then what attracted you to the role at Spokio was it just that it was a product manager 
That's one number one. Second, uh, and they use it for dating. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> and uh, Tokyo has, has a very great culture. Actually. Yeah. Uh, so I still keep in touch with the CEO and the co-founder of uh, Spokio. Yeah. And he said, "Oh, you just come back whenever you want," and we just because they offer cater lunches every single day. Right? So you're like, I'll come back every yeah. single day around noon. Yeah. And he's like, you just come whenever you want. Just come and show you and just do whatever. It's fine. Right. I was like, okay, that's fine. So thanks for the offer. I have been back maybe once so far, maybe yeah. twice. But yeah, the offer is there. So maybe I'll go back soon <laughs> again. <laughs> and and then where did you transition to after Spokio? Yeah. So uh, Sharp Electronics, they actually poached me from Spokio. Sharp. Yes. Okay. So the first, so I was poached, I was in two different divisions. The calculator people. Yeah. They used to make that. They used to make that. Yeah. So the first division I was poached from was, uh, uh, poached to was the, they call it Sharp Labs of America. Right. So it's basically their innovative group. They focus on new products, new innovation that gets uh, spread out to different groups. Right. And help them launch like new uh, products right. into the, into the, Around the world, yeah, not, just, yeah. not just in the U.S., but around the world. Yeah. So that's basically what I was working on initially and kind of really focusing on new concepts and prototypes over and over again. Yeah. And then from there, after Sharp? Yeah. So for Sharp, it didn't end yet. Uh, so actually what happened was I got moved to a different division. Yeah. They wanted to create a brand new startup, like internal startup. Yeah. Uh, that's funded or collaborative. How it's funded, I don't know, but it's yeah. collaborative between… Uh, Foxconn yeah. and Sharp yeah. Electronics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically big companies do this. They incubate yes. startups inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, they really liked my user experience skills, and my yeah. software PM skills. So they actually got me to work on one of the core flagship products. Right. The internal name was called Flying Eagle. Right. They actually created a corporation around that as well. Uh, so it was very interesting uh, because it's basically trying to showcase how can you use displays. Yeah. Without actually using it for TV. Right. So in one of the trade shows we presented uh, in both the Shanghai and Wisconsin was attaching a sports equipment, like yeah. a rowing machine, yeah. uh, to the displays. And in that display, what happened was after rowing, you see the content change, right? Of course, the water, etc. Yeah. But not only that, we also had a mount in the back yeah. that actually adjusts itself as well based on a change of the content. Um, so it's almost really, so it makes it really immersive. I think it's very funny that before we started this interview, I asked if you wanted to go rowing next week. And I now know. you're telling me this. For, so this is why you were laughing when you asked, when I asked bit, you. Yeah. Bit. I was like, uh, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's so funny about rowing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, and then. So after that, uh, moved on to an agency. Yeah. And I worked on a couple internal projects mm -hmm. for the, for some clients. Yeah. Uh, that's in the cannabis and fintech as well as cryptocurrency. Yeah. So that's a, that's uh, in that space. But other than that, since I was at Sharp, I got reached out by VC firms yeah. and other firms yeah. across the world. Yeah. Uh, with the first one being the VC firm in Asia. Yeah. Uh, they were they have a lot of startups under that VC firm. They wanted to because the fact that I speak multiple languages. Yeah. How many languages do you speak? Uh, four. Which ones? Uh, Chinese. English, of course, uh, Japanese and Korean. Amazing. Yeah. What? So. Wow. When did you learn all these languages? So Chinese when I was young, minor in Chinese in college. Yeah. And then after college, I started learning Japanese and Korean. You're just one of those people that 
picks up languages? No, it took me a lot of time. It's like I you literally dedicate yourself to it. When I was in Northrop Grumman, yeah, I was I was really lucky uh, because my boss didn't care um, how how long I take off as long as I get my work done ahead yeah. of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I was able to take a month off at a time or longer, and then to go study languages in that country. <gasps> So I'm really grateful for that because in other companies, I'm sure they will not allow that. So you legit went to the countries to immerse yourself in the culture and learn the language. Yes, that's correct. And you're lucky that people, I mean, I'm sure you got it a little bit that people like would speak back to you in English. I find that when I travel, if I try speaking in the foreign language, then the locals respond in English. The reason they do that is because locals want to practice English. They, they want to practice English. Yeah, we already, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's frustrating what, though. Yeah, so it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but that's why you go to places ideally that people don't speak any English. Yeah. And you're, so my friend did that. My friend actually moved to a Japan, village. a village. So when he speaks Japanese, he has this village accent. Interesting. So it's very interesting. It's so yeah. interesting. Okay. And then, and then what happened? What do you mean? And then what happened? And then after, after you were at Sharp? Yeah. And- so recently, it's, uh, of course, I started a podcast too. Yeah. Uh, it's called Navigating the Rise. But you said a lot of venture capitalists were yeah. reaching out to you while you were still at Sharp? Yes. And then started. did you switch over to the VC world or what I happened? I never did. I, actually, I don't want to switch there that uh, to the VC world yet. I think because... The more operating experience I have as a product manager, the yeah. easier later down the road yeah. where I'm able to pinpoint which founders are good, yeah. which product is good. Yeah. And I see a lot of my friends that got into VC early. They are very good with the numbers and yeah. financials. But in terms of picking out good founders and picking out good products, yeah. they say that they have a problem. They, they kind of struggle with it a yeah. little bit. So for that purposes, I don't think I want to get there that early. And most people say the VC industry it's basically one of your last career. Right? It's not like your really? first. Because they say, by the time you get there, and you, what's your exit strategy? Business development, right? It's not like the skill you learn in VC mm. can go back to product management um, for the most part. It's because you're more mainly analyzing the numbers, looking at pitches, decks, right? It's yeah. not like you're building anything. So yeah. a lot of them recommend, told me, uh, people I talked to when the informational interviews is that like, VC is like actually one of the places where you go like, Toward the end of your career, yeah, like they don't recommend it as beginning. I mean, sure, people go in there for the money, etc. But he said that you'll probably get more mileage out of it when you have more experience in the operating world. And before we get into talking about your podcast, where are you now? I am actually not with any company at the moment. So what happened now? I'm just currently doing a couple of trainings, yeah, uh, for various different companies. And also some advising for the companies as well. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I think perhaps I might be joining another company soon. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part… You're taking part, like a little break. Yeah. So I'm thinking either joining a company soon or, or perhaps when this episode was released, I might have joined a company already. <laughs> uh, if you haven't yet chosen a role, what is your dream role? You never know. They could be listening right now. Yeah. So do do your five-second pitch. I mean, of course, it's product management, of course, right? So I have experience working across multiple facets right so i was working on embedded software which is the closely with hardware so i think that has been my strong suit because of the fact that there's not a lot of embedded so- software engineers to begin with like even say google and facebook has a hard time finding embedded software engineers so with the pm with that background like with google pixel facebook oculus as an example right it's i think it's just a lot of value add in addition to my existing software in this traditional SaaS, etc uh, so for me, it's more about interesting companies, interesting cultures. 
uh, as opposed to say, oh, I need to work for this name brand, right? So for me, it's more about the fit and the cool technology and the people. And as long as all that align, I think everything will work out. And where can people get in touch with you if they are looking to hire? Yeah. Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. Can you spell your name for everybody so they could find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, it's uh, linkedin.com slash in slash woo woo woo. W-U-W-U-W-U. Stop ah. it. <laughs> That's right. It's very easy. <laughs> um. Okay. And so let's talk about your podcast. So sure. when did you launch your podcast? What is it about? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Let's talk about your podcast. So sure. when did you launch your podcast? What is it about? Yeah, I launched it in January mm-hmm. and then slowly been kind of ramping it up. So at first, it was just trying to give Asians a voice because I feel like a lot of Asian voices are underrepresented. Wait, what's it called? Navigating the Rise. Navigating the Rise. Yeah, cool. so it's a lot of, because of the fact you can see that a lot of minorities that Latino American as well African Americans, they are very vocal and Asian culture is all about harmony. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that when things don't go according to plan, they kind of basically go around that. Right. And then slowly, because of the fact that one, throughout my travels, I really loved learning about other people's cultures. And that's how I started picking up different languages as well. Uh, and actually have a goal to just go to a different country every single year just so I can learn a different culture and immerse in myself and kind of challenge my paradigm. I love that. Yeah. So for that purposes, I realized that even though initially that was the goal, but ultimately I'm really just trying to break down cultural barriers and have people understand uh, that specific Asian culture. And actually because of that, over the time, recently a company has approached me where I'm actually going to give a training cultural awareness and a perception of different cultures at one of the tier one automotive supplier group. Um, so that's kind of how it forms. So I think that that might be where it's going at the moment. Um, so that's the current update. And how often does your podcast come out? It comes out every two weeks uh, in terms of uh, former episodes. Mm-hmm. And in between those episodes, I recently launched uh, small segments, basically Good, yeah. like five to maybe 10 minutes yeah. long. Where basically give you top pointers, like the most recent one is like the 10 gifts you should never give to a Chinese person. Uh, like you should never give them that because, though, for example, one of the gifts you should never give them is time, like clocks, watches. Ooh, why? Because usually it means that you're running out of time. That usually you give that oh. to people who are dead. It signifies oh, death. Oh, wow. Right? So this are, is interesting. Yeah. So there are a lot of different things that, like, it's not just one of them, the other things too. And then what's your goal with the podcast? Yeah, so with the goal, right now it's more about breaking down cultural barriers, making sure people understand the different cultures. And then actually realize that by understanding culture, it has a business value too. Uh, just make sure people understand that it's not just all about the logical numbers. And it's also about understanding the soft side, the nuances, mm-hmm. yeah. and how you can translate that. And there's actually been a lot of study has been done that uh, where they say the future is Asia. Yeah. So 
even with the recent trade war that's happening in the current administration between China and the U.S., you see other parts of Asia, they're actually growing significantly. Um, so basically, they're growing perhaps even faster than China. Right. So basically, a lot of the economy and the growth will be coming from that side. And if you're not understanding that culture, there's a high likelihood that you'll be doing business with that side, whether you like it or not, uh, directly or indirectly. So it's just better to understand as many different cultures as possible. Yeah. So that you can prepare yourself when you're faced with people that think differently from you, act differently from you, and just come from different like assumptions. And how has LA been supportive to your success? Like what resources have you accessed here that have really um, helped you grow? So I think it's more about the environment. Yeah. So if you think about it, LA is very diverse, right? So yeah, in totally. In terms of all the US cities, I believe LA is the most diverse city in, right. in the U.S. at least. So if you go to different pockets, you can have a different culture itself. Just growing up here allows me to kind of get more comfortable with different ideas and different perspectives. And there are times that where if you go to one city or one area of L.A., people don't accept you at all. But right. If you go to a different one, they accept you wholeheartedly. Right. So that mindset, that perspective actually allows me to be more open when I travel to be less... Uh, judgmental yeah uh, from that perspective and have you been to any events lately so events so just yeah. actually one event i'm going right now upcoming event which is it's hosted by the hong kong administration yeah where they try to promote businesses between hong kong and the u.s yeah so that one's coming up this but it's uh, in la it's in la oh really it's coming up this friday we're in la it's uh downtown how can people find out more uh, it's, I mean, unfortunately, by the time this comes out, it will be after. But still, like for them to know, like it's going on and go to the next one. Yeah. They house these. Uh, I don't have the exact information on top of my head, but it's called Hong Kong and the U.S. relations. If you Google that, it should come up. Yeah. Uh, so what happened is they Hong Kong wants to expand their reach across right. the world. Saying that we are a place to do business. We yeah. have the lowest tax rate. I want to go to the, like, this event. You can go. It's uh, it's, it's so different than anything I've gone to. It's actually also because it's sponsored by the Hong Kong administration. Yeah. It's free to go as well. Stop. Really? Yes. Okay. We got to talk about this after. Okay. I think I, this sounds, you're going tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Yes. Oh, crazy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll mull this over. Yeah. Um, And has there been any tech company or talent, like a talented person or a company that you've come across lately based in LA that you're like, oh, and you were really impressed. Uh, so in the past, when I go to networking events, right. like, gotta give me some contacts, right? <laughs> so nowadays... Gotta when, get me some contacts. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so nowadays, when I go to networking events, it's more like people trying to get my contacts. Yeah. So it's more... That's uh, nice. So to the point that like the... Not to sound like too like uh, snobbish or anything. Yeah. It's more like now when I go, the return on effort, you can yeah. say, yeah. is not as great as before. So mm. nowadays, I don't even go as much to these kind of yeah. events. But in terms of the recent one, uh, just kind of one thing that came to my mind. So I have a friend. Yeah. Uh, her name is uh, Amy Wen. So yeah. she actually started a new startup uh, called SageWise. SageWise. Yeah, okay. So focus on cryptocurrency. How can we find it? Is it SageWise.com? I you know? believe so. Okay. We'll look it up. Our awesome teammate, Carl, will look it up and put yeah. it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Amy Wen. W-A-N. W-A-N. Okay. Yeah. So she, I guess I'm featuring her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, she she's really known. She's well, She was on a magazine of like top 40 uh, women to watch in legal tech. Right. And then so she was a lawyer. And now she started into going to crypto. Yeah. 
And that's uh, it's very interesting. It's basically, I think her first one of her first product is about playing video games and then earning cryptocurrency from playing games. Very cool. Yes. Awesome. And what piece of advice would you get? Like, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten that uh, you want to share? Yeah, I would say the best advice I've gotten is uh, actually was I've been listening to the podcast by John Shetty. Uh, yeah. Was this John Shetty? I forget her. I, I know who you're talking about. Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty. Jay Shetty. The, Jay Shetty like yeah. he, a former monk. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's very interesting. So a lot of stuff resonates with me, yeah. but not to steal directly from yeah. him. Uh, that also read, so basically it sees that a lot of times we try to compare ourselves to others. Yeah. Especially when it comes to career progress. Totally. Technology. Yeah. Uh, all these different things. Yeah. But everyone is pretty unique. And through all my travels, I kind of found that as well. Everyone is unique and same at the same time. Yeah. Like, for example, in my travels, I noticed that even though people do different things, trying to get ahead and yeah. compare themselves, ultimately, all of them just want to be happy. But yeah. they were taught different ways of pursuing happiness. Right. So what can now tie back to uh, Jay Shetty's, yeah. what he was saying is basically that everyone has their own time. So there's no point trying to actually, oh, I need to launch a startup now. I need to get 100,000 followers. Or I right, need right. to like raise that much money or yeah. et cetera. All of that will come as long as you're not trying to do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So I think that's the main takeaway is just things will happen. Just let it happen. Don't try to force it. Right. Totally. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. And I think I'll never forget your LinkedIn. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll never, like that's the easiest yeah. way to connect with you. I mean, that's that's so cool. If you want to connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the LA Tech community, remember to go to the We Are LA Tech Facebook group. You could get there directly by going to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Dude, you're awesome. Thank you, Esprit, for having me. Of course. Say hello on social at We Are Light Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. This is George Wu, founder of the podcast Navigating Rise, which is with the goal of breaking down cultural barriers and currently located in Koreatown, Los Angeles. You're listening to We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. We're so proud of what we've created with the We Are LA Tech podcast. To be a part of our journey with us, if you'd like to donate, go to wearelatech.fm. That's wearelatech.fm, and you can find our donation link at the top right of the page. Thank you so much for supporting us in our journey and helping fuel us moving forward for each and every episode. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production.